call is being recorded. Hello, and welcome to my new show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I am searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest, Sparrow Hart, who is the author of Letters to the River, A Guide to a Dream Worth Living, and The Vision Quest, A Guide's Training Manual. In addition, he's the creator of the Mythic Warrior Training, the Men's Wisdom Council, and is a frequent workshop leader in the U.S. and Mexico. Are you there, Sparrow? I am, John. Thank you. Well, it's, uh, it's great to have you as our guest today. It, it really is. And you're, I've noted, too, that you're also the founder of Circles of Air and Stone. Could yep. you elaborate on what that is for me, please? Yeah, that is the the name of my business, and, you know, it's kind of an umbrella that covers the various things I do, uh, leading vision quests and workshops, and the particular image of Circles of Air and Stone um, is the image of there are teachings of the sky, of the heavens, and so... And that's the circles of air, the images of hawks circling in the sky. There are these ancient teachings about the sky tradition. Uh, you know, Christianity is a sky tradition. In some sense, Buddhism's a sky tradition. They're talking about the transcendent and the great teachings of life that are transcendent and impersonal. And then circles of stone are the, these images of these great stone circles. They're called medicine wheels, but things like Stonehenge is an example, and that, that's meant to evoke, to evoke the earth traditions, the great traditions of like shamanism, indigenous teachings, etc., that are mostly about the uh, powers and qualities of living on earth. So, so that image tries to cover this sense of connecting the great sky traditions of transcendence with the great earth tr traditions of living here right now in a, in a very embodied and uh, vital life. So, Well, that sounds like it was uh, very successful. It's quite a task. Um, uh, yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, and it's definitely, um, I feel really privileged and honored to be, you know, to be working in traditions where I've had some great teachers and and also to be the people I meet doing this. It's um, uh, It's been a great life and a great path to follow. Well, hopefully more people will buy your book uh, and start following. Well, I certainly hope so. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today. I mean, I, I um, as we briefly mentioned before i you know i i got introduced to your story and um and, and your book and i watched your um your video and uh, you've led quite a life as well i got to say well that i have yeah. that i have uh i know that um 
in part of your material, I think that there is a there is, there is a uh, diagram. And in that diagram, you have self and shadow and ego and above and a lot of things below. Right. Yep. And and you reminded me of something when I looked at it this morning. There's one of the things up top is I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of the ways that I mentally got through that task of my book, that story, mm-hmm. was that I, I I would remind myself of us of of this about the I am, mm-hmm. and. It, there was an old song, a rock song, in it where he says, there you go, man. Keep as cool as you can. Face piles of trials with smiles. It roused them to believe that you perceive the web they weave. Mm. And, and that's the Moody Blues. Oh, really? Okay. I, uh, yeah. I was recognizing the words and I was trying to, mm-hmm. oh, who mm-hmm. was that? And that 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 carried me on. That that kept me afloat, mm-hmm. at least mentally. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Certainly, um, one of the things I kind of recognize in that quote, and and also one of my um, beliefs is that um, you know th- there's like thousands of stories we could tell ourselves, both about ourselves and about the world. And some of those stories will make you feel sad, alone, like a victim, and disempowered. And some of those stories will make you happy to get up in the morning. And, uh, and uh, you know, ultimately, this, you know, those stories are being broadcast on TV and screens and radio everywhere. But ultimately, we got to choose which story we're going to live. And... Um, and I think that's a fundamental choice that we make. It's, um, you know, it's almost uh, one of my images of that is you can look up in the uh, sky at night if it's a clear night. And I think they say a fairly clear night, you can actually see about 2,000 stars. And, and yeah, and m- when we do that, we, you know, it's been uh, certainly historically we've learned we've learned to put them into certain shapes like the Big Dipper and Orion and stuff. But uh, the thing that I say is that with 2,000 stars, there's like probably a million or a billion different images you could create by connecting out, connecting the dots. And and in some sense, so any connection of those dots, you know might be true. We connect them with our imagination, but it's those pictures uh, we create is, it's really our creation, but, you know, and I think it's like that with stories. There's enough things that happen in the world uh, to, you know, that you could connect, connect and speak about all those things and live your life kind of depressed and hopeless and like the world's meaningless and I should just stay out of its way. But there's also enough uh, enough of those things that happen in life where you could connect those dots and kind of and create a kind of heroic journey. And certainly, as I hear your story, and and certainly in terms of the workshops, 
and quests I teach, I think it's about creating a heroic adventure for us to be on rather than, you know, living like we're the victims of some larger force and we have no no power and no meaningful journey to take in this life. And and so anyway, I just want to commend you on and you you turning your horrible situa- circumstances into a, a very meaningful and a very heroic journey. Well, thank you. Yeah, I um, I often wish it was somebody else, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know you 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 play the hands you're dealt. Right. Yeah. That's how it is. Uh, your book. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, letters to the river. Your 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 book. Mm-hmm. It, there's information here I liked about said about it that places the struggles and crisis we currently face, personal, ecological, spiritual, within the text of a mythic and heroic journey. In doing so, it forms a bridge between the left side and the right, the practical, daily life we can neither ignore or avoid, and the enchanted, shimmering world reported by sages and shamans throughout the millennia. And I know that this is probably was probably written, but is certainly applicable to something we're all dealing with now is the virus. The virus, right? Yeah. So how how do we make how do we make this go away? Um, <laughs> you're <laughs> you're 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 supposed to be able to separate the natural from the supernatural. I think in this, it, that's how I read it and interpreted it. But what do we do about this virus? Uh, well, um, I, I'm probably going to give you an answer, which is um, probably not the common one that we uh, hear all day. Well, first of all, I mean, uh, I think, you know, the virus is part of the natural world. And so in that sense, um, you know, it's not going to go away, except, of course, probably in at some sometime in the future a year three years there'll be a vaccine and then most people it'll just turn turn into another facet of normal life but my sense is that um um these kind of crises have happened all throughout human history um and 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 certainly certainly part of the way i look at it is is that um Life right now on Earth, um, again, if you if you just listen to the news media and, you know, the craziness that's, you know, on one side or the other, whether it's CNN or Fox, it's just everything is like uh, hyper-exaggerated. Um, and so, so my sense is this is a big crisis if... Um, yeah, if your if your mother or relative or someone has gotten COVID, or if you can't visit your loved ones in the hospital, or that is a crisis, kind of on an individual level. But you know, uh, certainly compared to the great crises in history, this is really not much. <laughs> I, I got to say, you know, um, and you know, I, again, I don't want to minimize say, the 150,000 people that have died in the United States. But doing the math, that's about one person out of 2,000. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not like the Middle Ages where 40% of the population was dying. And, and it's not like uh, World War II where 60 million people died. So, um, mm-hmm. so I think... Um, so I think one of the things I just say about it is to be sober about it, to um, say, oh, here is another crisis. It's certainly not a crisis like World War II, where it's it's not not a crisis even like the Spanish flu of 1918. But And it's a, a crisis that will probably go on like this for another, what, year and a half, two years, and then there'll be a vaccine. And and generally, the way the news cycle goes, within two weeks or a month, everyone will have forgotten about it. So I want to say is is just like, oh, what can I do that's simple and rational? Yeah, I'm happy to do those things, wash my hands, put on a mask. But what I'm not willing to do is live my life in fear. I'm not willing to, I, you know, and I'm willing to accept, you know, some risks in living. Just like I accept the risks of you know, driving a car or flying on a plane or any other things in life, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to hide from death personally. Um, you know, especially as someone who has been in wilderness a lot and has had encounters with bears and mountain lions, I'm, uh, and those have been some of the richest and most powerful experiences of my life. But. Obviously, if I was going to hide from death, I never would have done them. So, uh, so my question is: I, th- I think um, for me the answer for me the answer in that is to um, you know to realize death could come at any time, and just with consciousness of that, try and live this day and the next day as fully and passionately and as presently and loving as you can. But don't hide from life. You know, that that to me is, um, um, I think, read once, and it might have been Norman Cousins who once said, the, the great tragedy in life is not that we die. The great tragedy in life is what dies in us while we're still living. So, so I want to just... Well put. Yeah. Well, I think that... Uh... I'll have to second the motion on what you've just said, um, but it doesn't mean that um, you you don't jump out into a crowd of a hundred people sweaty at a baseball game. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense to me either. Yeah, so I I'm 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 a guy with the guidelines, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it it thus far it served me well. <laughs> And uh, I hope that it continues and others. And yeah, eventually it will probably, um, the virus itself will go away. I'm, sh- I'm not certain whether or not the politics surrounding it are going to go away mm. or let it go away. I think they might um, argue about this and that over the, over the virus. Who knows how long? Well, yeah, and... I, 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 I would hope that the scientists would argue over it for a long time because that's just how science works. You get these different theories and they write papers and, and that's, that's how the scientific database and knowledge grows by people doing research, uh, putting out theories and arguing about them. I have no problem with that. It's just um, 
I hope the political argument doesn't go on forever. <laughs> it it may, you know, that they're, they're so divided. Yeah. Uh, it just it just it, it may outlast us in this lifetime. I don't know. I know. I not for my I hope not for my children and grandchildren, but um, but it's again. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Your other your other book, I want to bring that to light here we can talk about. Okay. Yeah. Um it is uh, Vision Quest, mm -hmm. and Vision Quest is a guide's training manual, it said. Yeah. And uh, could you elaborate some on that for us? Yeah. Well, that particular book is, I wrote that because um, I've been leading Vision Quests uh, for 33 years now, and so on, and, um, and I could talk a little bit about that in case some of the people listening don't know what that is. But then this book is over the last 10 years, I've been actually training other people to lead vision quests. So, so in the title of that book, that is a book that it gives a lot of information about the vision quest, but it's also a book for people who want to learn how to lead and guide vision quests themselves. So that's why it's called the guides training manual. Um, Cause, um, it's a book, so when, when someone does apprentice or, or train with me to lead Vision Quest, they, they bring and they read that manual, and, and that, that's part of the process. So, um, but uh, you think it would be worthwhile for me to briefly describe what a Vision Quest is? Yes, it would. Uh, and let me lead, take the lead on that uh, by just answering a simple definition here of what is a Vision Quest. Uh, what did Christ, Buddha, Muhammad, and Moses have in common? Exactly. They all undertook vision quests. Yep. Yeah, every one of them went to, you know, Christ went fasted in the desert for 40 days and nights. Uh, Buddha walked into the forest and fasted where he was enlightened. Moses, as we know, climbed Mount Sinai and fasted and and Mohammed in 600 AD went into a cave and fasted to have a conversation with God. And yeah, those are all vision quests. And, you know, and each a vision quest includes three elements, solitude, you're alone. Two, you're in nature in some kind of a probably profound encounter with nature. And three, you're fasting. So, so it's, <laughs> it's interesting. I, the, the reason I, I mentioned those characters is, you know, in so in some sense, a lot of the world's major religions were started by vision quests, or or vision quests had a very uh, big effect on 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 their starting, you know, in you know, in in the case of Buddha and uh, Islam, they were both started from a vision quest. So, so. Well, I thought it was important that you. Uh... I think people can make a connection with that by understanding that these these people before us, how they did it, what they did, and of course we remember that. Um, I remember, gosh, it wasn't too long ago, another group of famous people that has nothing to do with this, only that it happened, was uh, the question about um, what did... Hannibal, Napoleon, and Hitler have in common? I 
I don't know. What, the an, what's the answer? And the answer is all three of them uh, invaded Russia and failed. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. So, so look at that span of time that they attempted to, to do with it. I thought it was kind of, uh, of, a, of a neat uh, description of that. But people, I think, again, can identify with, uh, with figures. Uh, mm-hmm. people and so forth in their in their lives um, I think that I'm going to uh, probably after reading your book which I which I have ordered I'm gonna I'll then do vision quest now mm-hmm. in, as a reader with vision quest what should I tell me a little more about what I should expect in terms of learning how to be a guide and where to do it and that type of thing well um First of all, in um, you know, I, I live in Vermont, and so certainly living in Vermont, the number of vision quests that I could lead a year here is pretty limited. L- limited has a pretty long winter, and so so I actually have a schedule where I I start leading my first vision quest of the year in March in Death Valley, California, and then. Then I lead one in April in southeastern Utah, then May, southwestern New Mexico. And so so I, I lead about one per month, starting in March and ending in October. And so um, so so the process in leading a vision quest, you know, the main process or what's what's really valuable for the participant is that he when 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 you walk into the wilderness walk into nature and you're alone for f- four days and nights what's really important is that basically you're uh, symbolically and metaphorically walking away from the human world so when you're walking out yeah you you'll be taking out a tarp and sleeping bag and some some basic things for your safety but what you won't be taking out is books, you know, iPods, iPhones, entertainment. So all of that kind of normal human conversation and all of those symbolically attachments to, um, you know, the the social structure of our, of our lives we leave behind. And it's really a time where it's just kind of the one of the ways I look at it is is that um, most of the time we live in a we humans live in a world that humans have created. You know, we live in houses and apartments and we get in cars and drive places and communicate through phone lines and this and that. We we live almost totally inside a human-created world. And then on a vision quest, one goes out, in fact, to where there is no human-created world. It's almost like we're going into a world that created humans rather than living inside a world that we created. And so... I think that fundamental encounter between us and what I would call the mystery or the spirit in all things, which some people would call God, or is is to have the fundamental to have those fundamental deep conversations of our lives. What am I here for? You know, what do I, what do I really want? What are my values as opposed to the all the ones I've been trained and educated to subscribe to what is it that's really in my heart that uh, I want to express so so in the process of that um in leading those and and sort in the way I lead them it's an it's an an 11 day program and um and people have to do some preparation before they even arrive like uh 
read a handbook on how to how to uh, do a vision quest and and write a letter of intention and then when people arrive there's the first four days are all about teachings of different um tra- teachings of different rituals and ceremonies that um people have done historically as part of vision quests um teachings about uh certain ways of looking at the world that are more shamanic or indigenous as, uh, rather than rational and logical. And so mm-hmm. so there's a lot of teachings for which give people a pretty good, I would just call it a toolkit, a good toolkit for things that they can do while they're out on their four days alone. So, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll just briefly mention one. is One is uh, teach people how to do a death lodge and I I could take an hour to describe that, but I won't. But it's basically creating a circle in which you, while you're on your solo, in which you enter. It could be just a clearing in the woods or some circle of rocks you create. But you step into that and sit in it as if you realize you have just a few days to live. And then you call in the important people of your life, your life, your children, your wife, whatever, and you have them come down and sit in front of you and one by one you get to speak you speak to each one of them out loud taking the point of view you will never ever in your life get to speak with them again so it's a, to say everything that needs to be said and so so that's an incredibly powerful ritual and um and the people do but it really brings them to kind of the core loves in their lives it also might bring them to the core resentments of their lives, you know, if it's a person who betrayed them or something. So so anyway, they go out and they have this whole toolkit of exercises, rituals, things they can do, and they spend their four days and nights there. And then um, and then when they come back, and this all, all takes place in a small group, usually there's about six or seven people who are all out on solo in different places at the same time but then people come back and they tell the story of their their encounters with you know with the mystery with the land uh, what they did dreams they had rituals they performed maybe encounters with animals and each person tells that story while the other the other members of the group listen and then after all that telling of the story is done we kind of reverse it and then each person listens while the other members of the group speak about what they heard in that person's story and what it would mean to them if that had happened. So so you get a lot of mirroring and feedback and different perspectives on on, on how you could take how you could take or interpret um this story. And then we work with how can we bring that back I usually call it on the other side of the mountains or, or the other side of the desert back to daily life and plant those commitments and insights so they'll grow. So, uh, well, I'm pretty sure that people listening to the, to us today are probably going to be thinking about uh, what you've said and they're thinking right now, maybe I ought to give that a try <laughs> or maybe I ought to ask somebody if I should do that. You know, it's, it's going to begin hopefully, uh, some effort. And to do that, of course, they have to uh, find out how they found you. Would you uh, tell the audience how you can be contacted and uh, information, websites, and so forth? 
Yeah. Well, by far the best place to go would be my website because that has so much different information on the vision quests and workshops and schedules and where they are and and what it is. And and the the address for that website is www.questforvision.com. That's quest, Q-U-E-S-T-F-O-R, vision.com. And so, yeah, there's uh, resources there. Um, there's... Um, there's some podcasts that could be downloaded. Perhaps this one will be there in, in a couple of weeks. Um, and and also, yeah, there's um, certainly other other resources. Uh, there's some U- YouTube videos, but also lots of information on the quest process itself, and and uh, and uh, and, a, and a contact list if you want to send an email and ask questions. So there's a contact form for doing that as well. Good. Very good. Uh, And speaking of the listeners, I want to thank them and you for uh, uh, tuning in today. Uh, And it's been an extra special session. It makes people think, and that's what they need to do more of. Yeah. Well, I I certainly want to, you know, I want to thank you for doing what you're doing. I mean, you... um, Again, you're kind of bringing your passion, your desire for integrity, into, and you're acting it out. You know, you're you're creating a, a format and a forum where you can actually live that desire and longing and, and make a difference in people's lives. So I want to thank you for inviting me and for uh, and for starting this uh, podcast recording. Well, I was the lucky one when I contacted you, and hopefully we'll have some other. Uh, some of the sessions like this in the future. Yeah, I'd love that, John. Uh, thank you for, for doing this. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. So long and happy trails to all. Uh, oh, happy 